Well, good morning, church. I'm excited today that we can gather and be in this place and start a new series, and I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you about this. Uh, I would love for you to take out your device, your calendar, whatever you use to to mark uh, what you're going to be doing next, because in one month, or actually at the end of this month, on October 29th, we've got a special day coming here at Riverside, something that I know some of you have been dreaming about uh, for, for a long, long time, and it's now becoming a reality. On October 29th, we're going to have a day here at Riverside simply called Engage Sunday, which will be a day, and, and don't, don't, you know, get too scared. There won't be a sermon that day. Some of you are like, finally, one of those Sundays, right? <gasps> On that day, there won't be a sermon because you're going to be the message. We want to gather that day for a few minutes to kind of uh, get organized, but then go out from this place into our communities to go and to serve the people around us, to serve our neighbors, and to be good neighbors in our communities. So it's going to be a, a bit of a different day here, but I think it'll be an incredible day. Then we'll come back together that night, and we'll celebrate what God has done, share stories, eat some good food, uh, enjoy communion together. It'll be a beautiful day uh, for our church family, one that I am really, really, really excited about, and I really can't wait for it to get here. Uh, now, next week, we'll start uh, sign-ups in the lobby, so next week, can look for that as you're coming in. Uh, we've already got uh, several opportunities identified to serve our neighbors and to serve in our community and surrounding areas. But uh, if you have ideas, some of you have ideas, I want to invite you to let us know what some of those ideas are. Uh, So Kara Dunn, some of you know Kara, is one of our members here, uh, is an incredible organizer, and she's helping us kind of get organized uh, with all of these details and logistics that have to happen to make a day like this, uh, you know, incredible and amazing and happen. So if you have ideas, she told me I could show her cell phone number and email address to you, so it's there. But you can also find this in the Riverside app. You can look up Kara Dunn. And some of you, you you just know this kind of stuff. You You know who we need to go visit. You know who needs minor home repair or who needs yard work or who needs... Uh, uh, someone to go visit them and check in with them and see how things are going. You know of opportunities around uh, Capel and, and the different areas here where we might could go do something and serve someone. And we're looking for more of those ideas so that here's my goal. My goal is on this day, we will have 100% participation. Like I would love for everyone here at Riverside that day to be involved. And there will be ways for everyone to be involved, whether you're older or younger, have little kids or no kids or whatever. There's going to be opportunities for everyone to be engaged and to serve that day. But if you have ideas, let us know so we can add those to the list so that everyone can be involved and serve and, and, and be a part of that day. All right, are you excited? You don't look excited, but I'm excited. Some of you are excited. This guy's excited. All right, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. That's coming up. All right, now, shift gears, and I want to ask you this question. Do you feel like you are fully alive? Do you feel like you're fully alive? And if not, why not? We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But we are starting a new series today called Next Door As It Is in Heaven. And I wish I could take credit for the title because I absolutely love the title of the series, but I didn't. Uh, This series title comes from a book by the same title uh, by Lance Ford and Brad Briscoe, I believe, are the guys that wrote this book. You can find it in the at-home center, and uh, if you want to look at a copy of it. But it's it's a great idea because you know, like I know, that we are called to live different as believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, members of this church, members of this faith community. You and I have a responsibility to live different in the world around us, but we're set up in a world uh, where our culture and our communities kind of work like this. If your life is anything like my life, you wake up in the morning, you make your breakfast, you go to your garage, you get in your car, you go into your alley, 
you drive to work, you drive home from work, back into your alley, back to your garage, back into your house, cook dinner, watch a little TV, play with the kids, put them to bed, go to sleep. And there are people that live like 20 feet from you in every direction, and you can go like weeks, even months, without seeing them or speaking to them. And we've created this situation where you don't really even have to know your neighbors anymore. But when Jesus was asked, once upon a time, we just read it. Rick did a great job of reading it. When Jesus was asked what's most important, he said two things. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he used this word, love your neighbor. And so over the last few years, there's been books written. There's, there's sort of a movement kind of happening among people who believe in Jesus in our country especially. It's this idea of what if we took Jesus' words literally and loved our actual neighbors? Like, what would that look like and be like? And I think it's a fantastic idea, and it's a great question. What would life look like if you and I actually loved our literal neighbors? And how would that change the world around us? Now, I wish I could tell you that I am really good at this. I wish I could stand on stage with great moral authority and tell you what an awesome neighbor I am, but the truth is I'm, I'm just not. But I have, everywhere we've lived, but especially where we live right now, we have got incredible neighbors, and I'm always out-neighbored by my neighbors. Have you ever had this experience? Like, my neighbors are always out-neighboring me, and it drives me crazy because I know I should do this better, and like, you know, um, it, just, it just bugs me because they, they, they're so good at it, and I'm, I'm not. A few, few weeks, or I guess months ago now, we got an invitation from one of our neighbors, Janice, who lives kind of across the street diagonal. She said, hey, there's some new neighbors that have moved in. We're going to have everybody over, me and Frank, and we want you to come and bring a dessert. And we're just going to drink coffee, uh, you know, drink dessert or eat desserts. And, and uh, the Olympics are on. Come watch that. Bring the kids and, and get to know all the neighbors. We're like, fantastic. So we show up. We do that. And she's super organized. She's made it drawn a hand-drawn map with everybody's, you know, house and everybody's names are on there. And at the bottom, we all put our cell phone numbers. And we all walk home with a sheet of paper that's got the, the map of our nearby neighbors with their names so we can remember them and their kids' names and, and their numbers if we need something to call. And I'm like, hmm, we should have done that, you know? That's awesome. Great job. Way to go, you know? One day we come home, just, just, just recently, we come home on a Saturday. And we get home, and I know I've got to do the yard work, but I get home and I look outside, and I'm like, Alicia, I think somebody cut our grass. <laughs> so I go outside, and I'm talking to our neighbor, one of our neighbors, and I'm like, hey, just weird question, but did, like, did somebody cut our grass? And he was like, yeah, you know, I was cutting my grass. And, and the other guy, you know, next to he was cutting his grass, and he started cutting, like, you know, his, your half of, 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 of the yard. And I, I met him in the middle, and we just, we just did it for you. I'm like... I, some of you want to buy my house right now, right? You're like, <laughs> it was awesome. Like, we have the most incredible neighbors, and I'm always out-neighbored by my neighbors. And it makes me, like, like Jesus' words, yes, they make me want to be a better neighbor, and, and my neighbors want me to be, make me want to be a better neighbor. But the truth is, I want the people that live, like, physically nearest to me, I really want them to experience the love of God through me. Don't, don't you? I mean, what a tragedy it would be for us As believers in Jesus, what a tragedy it would be for those who physically live nearest to us to never, ever experience the love of God through us. So it's a tall order and a tall challenge. Because you know, like I know, that we've created a culture where truly we are never, we've never been more connected, but we've never experienced more division. We truly, people, you look at all the stats and every one of them say people feel isolated, alone, Like there's no one to call. 
when they need help. And even our devices that connect us separate us. Everywhere you look, there's people. People that are surrounded by people, but people who have never truly felt more alone. And what happens is that people are hurting and no one knows. What happens is that people next door have problems and and no one has any idea. And if you're anything like me, you're not okay with that. And, And I think I know you well enough to say that if you knew what was going on, if you knew there was a need, man, you'd be quick to jump in. But we don't know. In fact, if we took a poll this morning, and I would have to raise my hand too, and I asked you to, to name five or six of your neighbors, how many of us could even do it, right? Like we have succumbed to this culture that has isolated us from the people that live physically closest to us. And yet God, I think this is true, has positioned you in a location where you can physically, tangibly share his love with the people right around you. And the question is, the question is, are we loving our neighbors like our actual, literal neighbors? And the problem, I think, is that what you and I have decided is that we should love our neighbors to be nice because we're Christians and we know Jesus. But what if what hangs in the balance of you and I doing what Jesus said wasn't just about being nice? In fact, what if something so much bigger hung in the balance? And if we were just simply to go back and read the words of Jesus With fresh eyes, we might learn something new about what he said. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open it up to Luke 10. We're going to look at the story. You may think I'm crazy, but I'll go ahead and tell you what I'm going to preach every Sunday the next four weeks. It's this exact same text. So I I want us as a church, as a faith family, as a community of believers, here's what I want us to do over the next four weeks, especially leading up to October 29th as we seek to go and serve our neighbors in a very tangible way. I want us to root and plant ourselves in this story in Luke 10 where Jesus encounters this religious expert and where he tells a story that you and I know as the good Samaritan story. I want us to root ourselves in this text because I want us to think about what Jesus actually said. And if you're anything like me, if you've heard this story your whole life or if you've read it a thousand times, you're going to have to listen with, with, with great intentionality. Because what happens is we become so familiar we can't hear it. But I want you to really try to lean in and listen this morning. Luke 10, verse 25. Here's the story. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now, quick pause because I want to make sure you got the context. Up to this point in the life and ministry of Jesus, he's already been teaching. He's had some incredible teaching moments already in his ministry. He's already been healing 
uh, people are, are walking that couldn't walk, seeing they couldn't see, things are happening all around them, and people know that something is different about this guy named Jesus. He's healing, he's teaching, he's already sent his disciples out on two different mission trips, and they've come back reporting what God has done and how the kingdom of God is breaking through on their mission trips as they come back to tell Jesus what has happened as he sent them out, and then as they come back to him. So things are already going really well in his ministry. And in fact, it's at this point in the story, at least in the way Luke tells the story, that Jesus has now set his face towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So now Jesus is on a journey toward Jerusalem where, if you know how the story ends, he's going to face the cross. And it's on the way, on his journey to Jerusalem, that Jesus encounters this man who is an expert in the law. And this expert stands up to Jesus and he wants to, to ask him a question. But if you read the way Luke tells the story, he doesn't want to ask him, he wants to test him. He doesn't want to just test him. The word literally means to tempt him or to put him on trial. But the question that he asked Jesus, I think, is a brilliant question. Like, despite his motives, I'm so glad he asked it, aren't you? Like, if you could sit with Jesus and ask Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Wouldn't you love to hear what Jesus would say and how he would respond to that question? What do I have to do? But before we, and I know you know what's coming, but before we read the next part, I want to pause and I want to ask you, If someone were to ask you, hey, what do I have to do to go to heaven? What do I have to do to to have eternal life? Like, like, what what, what do I do to do that? What would you say? Now, before you answer too quickly, I want to show you a picture. All right, let's put this on the screen. If you see a duck, raise your hand. If you see a rabbit, raise your hand. If you see the duck and the rabbit, raise your hand. Oh, some of you are good. If you, can, if, you, if you can only see one, raise your hand. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, interesting, huh? Now, some of you have seen this before. It's been made popular for a lot of years. Uh, it was actually published in a German magazine back in 1892, but then a few years later, a U.S. psychologist uh, named Joseph Jastrow found this image and made it popular in 1899. And what he did with this picture is he wanted to prove that we see not only with our eyes, but we see with our brain. Right, And so you can look at the same sketch, the same image, the same picture. And in this picture, you can see two different things. Some of you are still, you're wondering, where's the, where's the duck, right? Where's the rabbit? It's, it's kind of a neat picture. Uh, what I want to show you, though, is that you can look at the same exact thing and see that there's more than one answer to the question. And, and I'm, I'm going to just make a small guess here that if I were to ask you the question, what do you have to do to go to heaven? What do you have to do to inherit eternal life that you would have said something different than what Jesus said? If someone were to ask you, what do you have to do to go to heaven? What do you have to do to inherit eternal life? You probably would have said something like I would have said that, oh, well, you need to go to church. You need to be a good person. Uh, you need to, you know, to, to do all the right things and, and, and say all the right things and show up at the right things. And, or you may have said... You may have said, like I was told growing up, that, yeah, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to inherit eternal life, well, you need, to, you need to hear the word of God, you need to believe the word of God, confess that Jesus is Lord, you know, repent of your sin, be baptized, and live faithfully, and all these things. If you do all those things, if you check all those boxes, then guess what? You get your ticket. You get to go to heaven, right? That's, that, that may be what you would have said. That's, that's something like I might have said if you asked me, you know, what do you have to do to inherit eternal life? But that's not what Jesus said, you know? It's like we look at the question and we say duck, but Jesus heard the question and he said rabbit because I want you to hear what Jesus says, right? The story goes on and we pick up the story in verse 26 and Luke says, Jesus replied, well, let me ask you, the religious expert, what does the law of Moses say and how do you read it? 
Now, if you know anything about the law of Moses, it's about 633 different commands. And so he's asking this man who was a self-proclaimed expert in this law, hey, you tell me. You've read the whole thing. In fact, you probably have it memorized. So tell me, how do you summarize it? What would you say? And the man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Both of those are written in the law of Moses. Right, Jesus told him. Do this, hear these words, do this, and you will live. Wow. Jesus looks at the man who was trying to test him and tempt him and put him on trial, and he says, bingo, you nailed it. You got it exactly right. Do this, and you will live. Love God. The way to inherit eternal life is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The way to inherit eternal life is to love your neighbor as yourself. Like, this is it. This is literally the way that you're going to experience and to inherit eternal life. So I want to ask you, again, do you feel like you are fully alive? Are you experiencing in your life right now the eternal life that Jesus Speaks of Like, I know you're here this morning, so most of you, you've got a pulse, you're breathing, your heart is, is beating. I know you're alive, but are you experiencing the eternal life that Jesus is talking about here? I know you thought that eternal life is what happens one day after you die, and, and believe me, you're going to love heaven. You're going to love the place that Jesus is preparing for you. It's going to be magnificent. But over and over again, if you listen to the words of Jesus, what he says over and over again is that, yes, there is an eternal life. There is a home prepared for you. But eternal life for Jesus always starts in the here and now. We heard it in, the, in that one line of the prayer that I asked Rick to read out of Matthew 6.10. Jesus taught his disciples to pray this way. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, there's always a here and now aspect to the eternal life that Jesus has promised and he's talking about is that abundant life that Jesus wants for you and me. So you may be living and breathing, but the question is, are you experiencing the eternal life that Jesus is promising in the here and now? And get this, Jesus says this is the way you experience it. The way you experience it is by making things next door as they are in heaven. The way you experience the eternal life of Jesus in the here and now is to love God totally and completely and to love your neighbor totally and completely. And when you do that, do this, Jesus says, and you will live. The way to experience eternal life now and later is by loving God and loving your neighbor. Like this is the, the actual practical working out of the words of Jesus. He says, yes, you got it. But it's not knowing that that's going to give you eternal life. This religious expert knew it, but Jesus didn't say, he didn't say, know this and you will live. What did he say? Do this. Do this and you will live. Why? Here's the secret. The activity of love activates eternal life. And when you and I participate in making things on earth as they are in heaven, when we participate in helping those in need around us, 
what happens is, and some of you know this because you've experienced this, whenever you do that, whenever you give yourself away, you always experience in that moment such joy. And what is that joy? That's eternal life. You always experience such fulfillment. You, in fact, you say things like, I got more than I gave. I received more than I was able to give. Why is that? That's the feeling of eternal life. Maybe you didn't know that, but that's what it is. Jesus says, do this and you will live because the activity of love activates eternal life in the here and now. So this past week, we pulled out that sheet of paper that Janice had given our family with everybody's name and phone numbers and their their kids' names on it. And at dinner at night, we started just letting the kids pick pick one house. And we said, "Let's, let's pray for those neighbors. I'm not telling you that to say that I'm more spiritual than you. I knew this series was coming up before you did. So (laughs) I wanted our family to kind of practice this and just see what we could learn, right? And so we pull this out, and we start going around the circle, and and everybody says sort of a one-line prayer for that family, and it's kind of fun to hear what the kids pray for. But you know what we're learning? I mean, you know this. Like praying for our neighbors, that's pretty important. Praying for our neighbors with our kids It's really important. And we stumbled into this. We're not that spiritual or that smart. We just kind of stumbled into this. But what we're learning is that when we pray for our neighbors by name, some really simple things happen. One, we begin to remember their names, which is really helpful if you want to, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. But you also begin to think about them and their family and their situation and what they're going through. When you see them outside, you begin to wonder what their life is like and what's going on with them and how you can pray for them. and When you're walking around your neighborhood, you begin to pray for those houses and think about those neighbors. And, and you begin to look for ways that you can help and serve because you've been praying for them and thinking about them and trying to see them the way God sees them. And I'll be real honest. I don't know how, I don't know how to, to solve the division in our country right now. I don't know how to fix racism. I don't know what to do with American politics. I don't know what to do with world hunger or the issue around clean water. I don't know what to do with the reality that half of the world's population is living on less than $2 a day. I don't know what to do with, with any of that stuff. My heart goes out and I want to fix it like you do. I don't know how. But I do know how to knock on my next door neighbor's door. And just check in and say, how's it going? I do know how to walk down the street and take someone to play the cookies. I do think it'd be really incredible if I knew my neighbors well enough and they knew me well enough that when someone was sick, we could take them food. And that when they needed a break, we could, we could watch their kids. And when, when it was summertime and it was hot, we could have them over to swim in our pool. I, I, do, I do think there's a vision here for you and I to embrace that says, what would life look like? If we began, not with the world's problems, but what if we just began next door? And what if we began to make things next door as they are in heaven? Jesus said, do this and you will live. And maybe this week, this is your next step, is just to do this. I know it's a simple idea, but I know you're also busy, and I know life is going to catch up with you, and it may or may not happen, but I know that what Jesus said is true, that when you do this, you'll live. 
And if you don't know your neighbor's names and you just knock on their door and you take them a plate of cookies and just introduce yourself, it may be awkward at first, but then you've started a conversation and you've begun a relationship. And who knows what God can do through you in that? I don't know how to fix all the world's problems, but I know this. What Jesus said is true. That when you and I literally love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When you and I decide to start doing what he said and actually loving our next door literal neighbors, that he can work with that. And what could happen? What would happen? Because I'll tell you this, what hangs in the balance of you and I loving our neighbor is not us being known as nice neighbors. What hangs in the balance is you and I, and maybe even them, experiencing eternal life. Why do we do this? Why? why? Because eternal life hangs in the balance. Because Jesus said, if you want to inherit eternal life, do this, and you will live. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand together. I kind of get excited when I think about what could happen if all of us went back home to our individual houses and our communities and we start thinking about how to love our actual literal neighbors. Like what if, if we went from this place and established little bitty Jesus outposts in every neighborhood and community across this whole area and from our houses and from our homes we begin to radiate the love of Jesus. But I also know that there are some of you in the room today and you're thinking, man, I hear you, but I can't do it. Like, I think this is fantastic, but you don't know. Like, I've got a hundred other problems right now. Finances, my job, my kids, my wife, my husband, my in-laws, my whatever. Like, you don't know what's going on. And I hear you. But I, I do want to call you back, if you're hurting today, to the words of Jesus. Because what he said is just true no matter what stage of life you're in. And some of you have experienced this too. Like you know this is true, that when you're hurting and when you're knee-deep in your own pain, like the way, the way to experience the healing and the life of Jesus in that is to serve someone else who's hurting in, in need and in pain. And it happens every time. That no matter what situation we are in life, when we give ourselves away and we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, as we, as we simply do what Jesus said, that Jesus does something inside of us. And so it's my prayer that as a church, we could become the kind of people who are looking for ways to love our neighbors. Because when that happens, we will all experience the eternal life, the abundant life that Jesus is talking about. And I can't help but imagine what life would be like if we began to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done next door as it is in heaven. If you would, let me pray for us, and then we'll sing. Let's pray together. God, God, you know, you already know the names of our neighbors. And what's true is that you love them. And God, I have no doubt that you have positioned each one of us in neighborhoods and communities in places and spaces with people 
Sometimes it's, it's our neighbors next door at work or our neighbors next door at school who have the, the lock or the desk next beside us. Sometimes it's, it's the, the person next door in, in, in the checkout line. But God, you've positioned us in places to love the people next door to us. And you say that when we do this, we will live. And so I pray that, God, you would help us to be the kind of people who are full of life because we are full of love for you and for others. God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done here in this place as it is in heaven for the benefit of your church, for the spread of your gospel, and for the glory of your great name. In the name of Jesus, we all say, amen.